Hi there, and welcome to Behind the Curtain, where we go deep into the issues of the day and talk to people who know what's behind the smokescreen of what they want you to see and what's really going on. I'm Jackie Gustin. Post-truth, 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 post-truth. Oxford Dictionary's 2016 Word of the Year. Essentially, it means that objective facts are less influential in shaping our opinions than appeals to our emotions and personal beliefs. Think about that for a moment. It means that the truth takes a backseat to our feelings about something and how susceptible we are to the influence of someone who wants to tap into those feelings. People want the truth to be what they want it to be rather than what it actually is. Okay, I've been there. We all have. Like when you ask your man if you look fat in your new pants and he replies, it's not the pants. When new truth or when a new understanding of truth arrives, people often object to it vehemently. There's still people today, right, who are part of the Flat Earth Society. Uh, you know, so the, the battle between science and religion in, in Europe was, you know, was a traumatic one as the church's view of our cosmology was replaced by a scientific understanding of how the, of how the world is. Um, so there's always been this, this struggle, this, this tension between the desire to discover the truth and a resistance to have what you want to be true actually be true. So it goes way bigger than the pants. This is Tim Ward, co-author of the book Pro-Truth, a practical plan for putting truth back into politics. Look, we all know that we live in crazy political times. President Trump told us that COVID would just go away, and there are now over a million deaths. He told us lots of lies from the time he descended his escalator to now, as he claims he won a second term. He didn't. But he still has millions of devoted followers. How does the truth take a backseat to them? In politics, you know, it used to be that what the king said was true. The king issued fiats. Thus it shall be. Uh, or the Pope issued fiats, thus it shall be, and that defined our reality. But we've evolved from that. We live in a democracy. 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 One of the things about democracy, though, that is a big change is democracy is all about people from different values with different perspectives coming together and finding ways to compromise their different struggling agendas. And for that, you need an objective sense of truth, a common sense of truth that people with very different goals and perspectives can say, okay, these are the facts. Now, how do we find a way to work together? Democracy just doesn't work if we no longer care what is true or not. I watched when the World Trade Center came tumbling down. And I watched in Jersey City, New Jersey, where thousands and thousands of people were cheering. President Obama separated children from families. I'm going to take such good care of women's health care issues, you won't even believe This it. is going to go away without a vaccine. It's going to go away. Mexico is going to pay for the wall. Don't worry about it. So he is truly a master of manipulating people's perceptions. That's how you get people to invest in real estate deals. Um, you know, everything from Trump University, which was 
which which the courts of New York determined was a scam and Trump had to settle to the Trump Foundation, which was eventually shut down because he wasn't actually donating money to to anybody. Right. So he's been deceiving people throughout his career to build his own career. What he became really good at was figuring out what did the people want from him and then how he could sell them that. And so everything from make America great again to build the wall, these weren't positions that came out of policies or values. These were positions that came out of what do these people want that I can sell them that will make them buy my brand? So it doesn't matter if the sky is blue when I want it to be pink. In a post-truth world, you can tell me you can make it so and I'll be in your corner. Uh, but it's not as if this is something new. Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Only luster cream brings you... We're primed for it. As the president of Revlon once said... You think we're selling you a lipstick. What we're really selling you is hope. One of the things Trump does extremely well is he crafts a narrative that people can believe in. And much of what you've just said is the narrative that I think really moved many blue collar, uh, lower income voters. And of course, many of those did vote for Clinton, but the ones who voted for Trump found it a compelling narrative. By finally enforcing our immigration laws, we will raise wages, help the unemployed, save billions and billions of dollars, and make our communities safer for everyone. Trump found his boogeyman, those others. They're taking away your jobs, your home, your way of life. In 2016, the polls showed that Hillary Clinton would be the next president of the United States. Very few even had their thumb on the pulse of the disenfranchised voter, but I found one. He's Robert Pondicio, a writer for the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, a think tank based in Washington, D.C. Um, so I, I, I live in a you know a very rural part of upstate New York, um, which is um, you know a, a, a very Trumpy, uh, making air quotes, Trumpy part of the of, of, of an otherwise blue state. I'm, I'm disheartened by by the enthusiasm for demonizing those who you know are are have different political ideas and values than 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 others. Um, but I you know I, I point out this one gentleman I know who, who lives in my neighborhood. Um, and I, I, I told the story to my daughter. I said, you know, cons consider, and I don't want to use the man's name, consider the, the case of, of this, 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 this guy that we know quite well. Well, you know, all he's ever done is everything his country could have asked. Um, he went to school. He served in the military. He um, got married. He's raised two kids. He's, um, you know, is, pays the taxes, goes to work every day, on and on and on. And, and not only is he not getting ahead, he's falling behind. And he must wonder... Uh, well, what do I have to do? Because I'm playing by the rules. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 and he is by all outward appearances, a model citizen, exactly the kind of person you want as a friend or a neighbor. And, and, um, you know, and, and things are not going well uh, for him necessarily. At the time of Trump's election, 77% of the wealth in this country was owned by only 10% of the people. 
Contrast this with the fact that about 50% of wage earners only owned a smidgen more than 1% of the pot. That's half of everyone. Not a lot of money going around. Manufacturing jobs, jobs not necessarily requiring a college degree, rapidly disappeared in the last 20 years, and more than half of what are left are predicted to succumb to automation within the next 20 years. The threat of globalization, those others, butted up against the obvious signs that America was no longer number one. The lower earning 90% of this country was losing its status and the old model of work hard and prosper, a model of only a generation ago, was gone. And those institutions, the media, the government that had helped them out before did not even hear their cries. Enter Donald Trump. Here's Tim again. There's been increasing inequality. So many more people are end up ending up falling off the ladder to the American dream and living in more and more desperation. Uh, I don't believe that the narrative is a correct one. I believe that the narrative is more that as more wealth has gone to the upper percentages, those upper percentages of the most wealthy have used their political influence to get even more, to extract even more wealth from the system overall. Um, in other words, people like Trump, the supposed billionaires, are actually the cause of the problem. <laughs> for most of the low-income people. The reason those jobs have gone overseas is because the owners of those companies have exported them overseas. <laughs> so I, I think it was, but a compelling narrative is often more important for people than a true narrative. And that was a simple one that allowed them to still believe in the kind of capitalism that has been the hallmark of America for many decades, um, while feel aggrieved. And it's this sense of aggrievedness that I think Trump caught these powerful emotional current. I read some commentators said Trump, uh, Trump lived off the crushed dreams of his supporters. Trump told tens of thousands of lies reported and fact-checked by the Washington Post, the New York Times, PolitiFact, and the like, years before, during, and after his time in office. But it wasn't only his words alone that created our post-truth culture. There was an echo chamber in social media. Unlike the layers of editors and fact-checkers that traditional media employs, social media posts information, misinformation, and disinformation something said to deliberately deceive others, as quick as a simple click. Sometimes those clicks were coming from ill-meaning places. Russia, certainly chiefly involved, but also domestic places in the United States and other, other parts of the world where people churned out deliberately false stories that fed that emotional narrative that people wanted to believe. So suddenly social media, instead of occasionally having disinformation, became um, suffused, became fed with disinformation. But why? Why do so many people just believe what they read? Since our social media comes to us mostly from our friends and colleagues, it also gets past our filters of suspicion. If a stranger tells us something, we'll be dubious. But if we hear something from Uncle Bob or Jen who works with us, 
we're more likely to let it inside our filters of trust. One, one phrase in the book, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about it because it makes me very sad. You say that the United States has lost its way. Yes, and I have to say, you know, of course, we wrote that prior to the election. But although this last election was close, I really am hopeful that by rejecting the Trump administration. This has nothing to do with party politics, but we're rejecting the Trump administration. The nation has got the potential to turn the corner and really put truth back into our political discourse. So I'm more hopeful than when I wrote that. (laughs) The nation has lost its way. The nation has, perhaps you could say, stumbled back onto a path where truth can be recognized as a value. The potential is to learn from what has happened to us and find ways that we can strengthen the democratic institutions, um, better protect ourselves from the kinds of lies that have been destabilizing. And I, I think we are seeing some some signs of that. Simply the fact that Fox News and Newsmax and others, they've gone to great pains to clarify that they are not saying Dominion and those other election machine companies produced election results which could be falsified. Now, they're doing that because they're being sued right now. <laughs> right. 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 They're being sued by the companies that they have said made it possible to steal the election. Uh, and so it's the threat of being sued that is making them change their their tune, but it's still a change in tune and it's an important one. It means you can't, if you're a news platform, you can't simply lie with impunity. The fact that social media sites like Twitter and Facebook have banned Trump and and immediately the disinformation fell by what, I think it's like three quarters by by studies of looking at disinformation on the the web. Um, So there are things that can be done. Democracy is just like a relationship. You have to have communication, honest communication, to make it work. If I don't really know what's going on with you or if you're hiding things from me, it becomes a sham. All that talk or lack of it has nothing to do with the real. The other thing is commitment. Democracy and a relationship is a living, ongoing thing. Your goal has got to be to make it work, and you've got to keep working at it. If not, the cracks become apparent and any shyster can come along and make the whole thing crumble. If you look at how humans govern themselves for almost all of recorded history, a very small elite made all the rules, other people were subjects. Outside of maybe classical Athens, where still 90% of the people were slaves, You know, only when you got modern democracies developing in the last three or four hundred years did you have a sense of decentralized power that the citizens, those those who could vote, had a key say in determining how they would be governed. Um, Up until the turn of the century, the the turn of the, the to the 20th century, that still cut out almost all women cut out um, in many countries, cut out most men. 
only really in the last hundred years is this whole idea that every living adult deserves a right to say how they're governed. This is still a brand new idea in human society. And um, you know, even in you know, communism, many countries in, in, in the world, it's really only in the last couple of decades that it's become kind of a universal value. It's a brand new value, and every generation still needs to be taught. This is not just something you get. You get to vote, but you have a responsibility. One thing I can promise you this. I will always tell you the truth. Many thanks to our wonderful guests, Robert Pondicio, Senior Fellow at the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, and Tim Ward, co-author of Pro-Truth, A Practical Plan for Putting Truth Back in Politics, a book I want you to all go out and buy. The music was Thoughtful Cinema by Roman Senek Music and Bridge by KV. And as always, a huge thanks to Engineer Pete. I'm Jackie Gusta. Behind the Curtain is a production of WCSU Media. Engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.